and through the unconditional love and support of both my adoptive parents and the ultimate healing that can be found in Jesus Christ is what allowed me to come to dramatic levels of healing. And it was also during that time that I was able to realize that my pain had a purpose. All of the abuse and the neglect and everything I had experienced could be used to help others. How do you unlock the full potential of your influence and create the lasting change that you are destined for? I am your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Thanks, Dave, and I am your co-host, Scott Young. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for exciting stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals from around the globe. As we are empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. So many people suffer from childhood trauma. And our guests today on the Influencers Podcast bring a message of hope and healing. Lynn Johnson is currently the Vice President of Children and Youth Initiatives for the CityServe organization, which is really dedicated to bringing the love and compassion that God has for this world. Her role focuses on driving national initiatives that empower churches and helps people to bring hope to children in crisis in the foster care system, in adoption, in human trafficking, and helping to empower young women to be leaders in their community. She brings passion, determination, and a strong belief in the dignity of all people, no matter what challenges are before them. The only greater passion that she has is her deep faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She has served in various levels of government service. From 2018 to 2021, she served as Assistant Secretary for the Administration of Children and Families in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. In this Senate-confirmed position, she managed a large agency with a budget of $59 billion, that's with a B, billion. She helped oversee 60 programs and really brought enhancement and improvement to the challenges faced by children, individuals, and families. Previously, she served in the county, in her home state of Colorado as executive director for Jefferson County. She served as chief of staff to the Lieutenant Governor and deputy director for policy and a policy advisor on human services for Governor Bill Owens. She's won numerous awards for excellence in successful transformation of human services and really helping people. She is educated to do this. She's got a bachelor's degree from the University of Northern Colorado, a master's degree in social work from Arizona State University. She has taken further education in the state and local government through the, the Harvard Kennedy School of Executive Education. She's been married for 36 years, and we're so glad you've joined us. Joining Lynn Johnson is another wonderful guest. We have Trent Taylor, who personalizes the very issues we've been talking about. He's experienced childhood neglect, sexual abuse, domestic violence throughout his childhood until he was adopted at the age of nine. After healing from this traumatic past, he now as a 20 year old brings hope and healing to others. He willingly shares his inspirational story and helps to mentor hundreds of children through the Mercy for American Children Kids Division, which he founded in 2013. He shares his story openly with 
large crowds and now serves as a co-host of the Watch Me Rise podcast along with his adoptive mom. He's an advocate for change in the foster care system and reforming it at the national and local levels. He's become not another statistic, but a strong voice, even at the age of 14, helping to author his story called Shattered No More. He serves as the co-founder and CEO of Watch Me Rise and is devoted to working on behalf of children who have experienced the trauma that he once endured. He's well-versed in this subject and he uses as a practical solution, trust-based relational intervention. He has a message for the world and the message is that you can find hope and you can find healing. It's possible for your life. And we'd like to welcome both Lynn and Trent to the Influencers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, friends. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So glad. Lynn, uh, this is not just an academic or governmental thing for you. I've listened to you talk about this issue and it's deep and it's personal. Uh, tell us from your perspective, um, just exactly the kind of crisis we're facing in our nation with the foster care system. Thanks, Scott. And thank you, Dave, for having us on, on this call today. We always have heard about a foster care crisis. We hear about a crisis of some sort all the time. But when we start thinking about foster care crisis, in my mind, we think of movies like Little Orphan Annie, or we think about Oliver Twist, the orphan trains that came from New England out to the West during the gold rush, where they brought kids who had no parents and they put them to work. And then we go back in history and we look at James 127, where we see in the Bible, orphans and widows. Mm -hmm. We've never not had orphans foster care under a different name. That is the crisis, is that the numbers and the problems around foster care continue to go up instead of down when we know the solutions. We know what we could do to help young people have attachment, have loving families. So the crisis is that when we know what to do and we don't do it. When we don't feel the urgency to come up with an implement to implement a system. Today, we have over 450,000 children in the foster care system, 125,000 children waiting to find that forever home. And of that 125,000 children, 20,000 who age out, which means leaves the system to nobody. Those are doable numbers if we wanted to help find the love and the, the support for those kids. We also know that 60% of that 450,000 number of kids are removed from a family because of consequences of poverty. We can do something about that. These are not things that we can't touch, feel, love our way to a solution. And I believe seriously that all these issues are solvable. All of these issues are things that Jesus has called us to respond okay. to, and we are expected to address these issues. So that is the crisis, is that it's nobody's moving fast enough to do something. Uh, Lynn, uh, what a joy it is to have you on the Influencers podcast, and Trent, uh, have great admiration for you and how you are really addressing 
and reaching out to these kids that have aged out of foster care. Uh, I don't think there is a more passionate and experienced voice uh, when it comes to foster care and these kids that have aged out than Len Johnson. And uh, I commonly uh, refer to, to her as a modern day Esther uh, standing in the gap uh, for these kids. And uh, Len, uh, thank you uh, for your thank leadership, you. uh, voice, and, and service. Uh, as you know, my wife and I uh, were foster parents and then adoptive parents. Uh, a young lady, 16 years of age, that got bounced around. Uh, we took her in, uh, eventually adopted her, and now she's a beautiful young lady serving the Lord. Uh, married a just a wonderful man, uh, doing just great, making a making a difference. Good. But I got to tell you, uh, we faced a lot of misconceptions. We were like the millions of Christians that that considered foster care and adoption, but because of these misconceptions, we didn't do it. And. As we stepped out, we learned that there were a lot of myths that the enemy of these kids had erected to separate us from them and providing a forever family. Uh, let's talk about these misconceptions and how uh, families uh, can overcome them uh, to embrace these kids. Thank you, Dave. And um, your story of fostering and adoption always warms my heart because your daughter is amazing. And I know that when she walked in that door the very first time, none of you knew what to expect. Yeah. And you took that risk and you walked that path for Jesus to love one of his children. And Jesus, there's nothing he loves more than loving up his kids. So first and most important, when we're talking about the misconceptions, one is these children, these young adults, these youth, they are not in the system because of something they did themselves. They're in the system because of what's been done to them. And you heard me mention originally, when we think of all these um, law enforcement movies where the foster kid came and he did these terrible things, this myth of the harm that is done because they are foster children. Let's just talk about them being children. When they do behavior as teenagers, I would guess that 99% of the time, other teenagers that were not in the foster system have also done those behaviors. And we have to quit saying, well, they're foster children. So that's the first thing is children are children. And these kids do not deserve to be classified into a troubled position just because of what has happened to them. The other thing I think we need to think about is the, and Trent would jump right on this, is the um, trauma that happens because of the harm that was done to them, the movements, the lack of attachment. These kids have PTSD in such a response, in such a way that data has shown that the children in foster care have twice the level of PTSD than is experienced by war veterans. Wow. That's a lot. And that's concerning. So we have to stop the false narrative. We have to understand trauma. And we have to be able to look at these misconceptions truly as myths. The other misconception 
is that once they're removed from their parents, they can move on. They still love their parents many, many times, no matter what's happened to them. That's all they knew. And their abusers were still their parents. And so the kids have that love and we can't just shut the door on that. Family, friends, community are still important to the children. And that misconception that we can just close that up and move them forward, it doesn't work. That causes more trauma. And the last piece is that foster children are stupid. And I've heard that many, many times. For each move in the foster care system from one school to another, these children move three to four months behind. I've met kids who have moved five times, but mm. 10 different schools, or 20 times, one young boy at 92 times. And then he gets out of the system, and we want to know why they're not graduating high school, why they don't go on to higher ed, and why they don't get a better career. And we have hurt them by not providing the, the services they need. So they're not stupid. They are not afraid of their parents. They just want love and they need help with trauma. So those are the biggest misconceptions I would bring to, to Well, that is, that is so well said. I think another is that uh, they're going to mess up your family, uh, you know, mainly your, your kids, yeah. Yeah. Uh, biological kids. And I can tell you, uh, it wasn't easy, uh, but with Barbara, you know, we provided an unconditional love, safe environment, and we made it clear we were not going to turn her back into the system. I know that's one of the biggest fears. Mm -hmm. And as a family, we worked through uh, the challenges. And as a result, she brought even greater unity uh, to our family and meaning and purpose and still does. And so I would just say to those that are considering foster care and adoption, uh, that uh, this is not, you know, this is not something uh, that's easy, but I got to tell you, it, it will be one of the most meaningful uh, decisions that you will ever make in your life, not just for you as a parent, but for your kids. Yeah. So Trent, between all of these numbers, every number that's been spoken is a real life little girl, a real life little boy and you are one of those stories and maybe you can help us to understand what it felt like to be in the foster system and what you experienced so we can personalize these big numbers and make them live of course yes so first thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to share my story and provide hope so first off I was born into a family filled with extreme dysfunction. My earliest years were filled with domestic violence, extreme neglect, and sexual abuse. After a few years of those who gave birth to me, my younger brother and I, amongst some other siblings, were removed and placed into the foster care system. So for the next five years, I was moved from one home to another, one school to another, I want you to think just for a minute, like how difficult it would be to be asked to gather a few pathetic belongings, put them in a trash bag wow. and be asked to get in the car to be taken to the home of a complete and total stranger. And unfortunately that didn't happen to me just once, but five times over the course of my first eight years. Wow. 
And I remember so many nights just longing and praying for a family to call my own, for someone to love me and keep me safe. And thankfully, my prayers were answered when my younger brother and I were adopted at the age of nine. And that experience was the turning point in my life. It was at that point that I was able to begin my healing journey. And through the unconditional love and support of both my adoptive parents and the ultimate healing that can be found in Jesus Christ, is what allowed me to come to dramatic levels of healing. Mm. And it was also during that time that I was able to realize that my pain had a purpose. All of the abuse and the neglect and everything I had experienced could be used to help others. And, you know, now I am able to use my past experiences to help others, you know, and also it's just so incredible to see how God has been able to use all that pain and use it for his glory and his good. You know, and I strongly believe that for every child in foster care, while what I went through was so horrific and so tragic. And honestly, I can't even find the words to adequately describe the emotional pain and suffering that I faced. I can stand here now and tell you today that that does not define me. What the devil meant for evil, God yeah. is using for good. So good. Amen. That's great. Yeah. Well, you're a wounded healer. And uh, what a powerful uh, testimony. And I, I've said to our daughter uh, that we adopted that, you know, she needed to not only fight for her future, but her testimony. And that's what you've done. And to fight for other people's testimony. Because the Bible is very clear that that's uh, one of the ways we know that, that God uses to reach the world, you know, through the blood of the lamb and their testimony, scripture mm-hmm. says. And so, Trent, in, as, as a wounded healer, uh, somebody who's turned their pain into purpose, you started an organization called Fostering Faith uh, mm-hmm. to really reach out and provide a Christian community, if you will, for these kids that are alumni of the system. I've told Lynn this many times, I cannot imagine our daughter uh, aging out of the system. And she has shared with us about the predators that are within the system and those that even wait for kids to get out. And I had to literally uh, call the cops on one young man that was a predator trying to set her up at like a park. Uh, And you're aware of that. And so share with us about fostering faith and and how you're ministering to these kids uh, that are alumni. Of course. So, you know, fostering faith and hosting a Bible study for foster alumni was something I was passionate about for so long. And for me, you know, I started off, you know, locally here in North Carolina, and now it's kind of expanded to more across the country. And what I, my goal was to create a community and a, and a platform for foster youth to connect, not only connect to one another, but connect to God and their faith and grow closer to God with one another and hold each other to that and be able to, you know, just be able to be in a place where everyone understands 
what it's like. Everyone understands what one another has been through. And also the biggest thing I wanted to do was because God was the key element in my healing, I wanted a place where I could help others find that same healing that can only be found in God. And I wanted them to realize that God has a plan for them and that he has a hope and a future. And I just really wanted to gather people together and just share that. Incredible. I mean, if that doesn't move people, Lord help us. That's powerful. Uh, Len, uh, you and I first met when you were serving as the Assistant Secretary over Administration for Children, Youth, and Families, one of the largest government uh, agencies, sub-agencies, uh, not just in America, but in the world. And so you you could have uh, accepted a lot of positions working uh, with uh, various state governments, uh, but you, you, we connected around City Serve and All In because you have a passion for the local church. Mm-hmm. We have churches on almost every corner. If these churches can catch this vision and join this All In campaign, we could eradicate fatherlessness fast. And so share with us your passion for the local church and, and its potential. Thank you, Dave. This, um, this passion for the local church has been something that has driven me for years and years and years. Um, way back when I worked in Jefferson County, I started a school to end poverty. And every single person who came into Jefferson County Human Services, I wanted to have a non-governmental mentor or family wrapped around them. And the only way I knew to do that was to bring the church to the table in this government organization. And I was told by every single person that won't work. The pastors won't come. They don't want to play with government. You guys don't understand. You can't do that. But we did it anyway. And when I left to go to Washington, D.C., we had 150 churches where people were wrapped around the families that were in need, whether it be food, hunger or other. And so when I was in DC, same thing. That's how you and I met Dave, as I had asked for prayer and help around an issue. And then we started talking about foster care. And there's so much nationally that the church can do. I firmly believe there is no other win without using the church. We have to have the local church know their community, not wait for people to walk in, but to walk out and be the church on the streets, in the community, in the grocery store. To have the church understand the issue of foster care adoption, and truly to understand what trauma means. Because so many people want to help so many kids, and yet the first time that child exhibits behavior around trauma, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And the parents are not ready to respond to that if they don't have that training. So understanding the issue, bring people into the church so that they can get trained. People in a church will know if they have the heart to be a family, to know if they want to adopt, to know if they want to do something, maybe just put their toe in, not jump in the whole way. And we can offer that to our churches. We can identify the areas where we have the highest amount of removals. Where, why is this one community have more kids removed than other communities? What's our local church doing there? How can we help resource them? We can do little things. The church can mow a lawn, offer to drive children to school, give respite to a parent who's just not sure if they can keep doing this. 
but they love the kids. So give gift bags, mentoring, tutoring. What I love, I called one of the kids today and um, they said, oh, I wish the church would have hosted a skills day. I didn't know how to tie a tie. Mm. I didn't know. I'm fatherless. I don't know how to change a tire. It's embarrassing if you take a girl on a date and you can't change a tire or you need an interview and you can't tie your tie and you don't have a dad to go to to say, help me. So these are things the church can do is provide this, prepare for an interview, help do a resume, give hope, give love and give positive. And last thing is help fund the programs that are doing this work. Everybody has a talent and whatever your talent is, bring it to the table around orphans and widows. That's what Jesus told us to do. Didn't ask us to do, told us to do. So bring your talents, whether it's money or mowing the lawn, we can do something for these kids. So that's just a start, but there is nowhere else that families are readily available than in a church. Scott, you are a pastor of a great church. You're actually a pastor of pastors. What would you say to pastors out there that are watching, listening? I mean, we have 380,000 churches in America. And many of our colleagues, they're wondering, what should I do? Well, start with God's shortlist. Care for the widows and orphans. So what would you say to these pastors after hearing this today? I would say that Jesus is the hope of the world. And his plan, his only plan, well, his biggest plan is his church, his family. And to listen to the story that's being told today, and it's not just big numbers, it's people like Trent that are here that some family, and I thank God for the family in a church that reached out and started a healing process in a young man that is now rippling out to help others. And every church is called, we talk about being influencers, every church is called to be an influence in this world, to be light, that's an influence, to be salt, that's an influence. And here is an aching need in our communities. We can be light. We can be salt. And we can help to bring healing to them. I I was just thinking, Trent, your family and being in a church was part of your journey. How how did it feel when you were taken to church with the family that you, you finally brought you into a forever home? It was incredible. I mean, I thank, by the grace of God, you know, all throughout foster care, my time in foster care, I was always with religious families, so I always had church. But finally going to church with my family, a family that I could finally call my own, was so different because I got to walk in there not feeling like I'm not a part of the family, not feeling like I don't belong. I was able to, you know, already, you know, just walk into a place of worship and, you know, grow my faith even more with my family. And in addition to that, I also gained a new church family as well. So just being welcomed and embraced and having that extra support was incredible. What would you say to someone that's listening and they're thinking, 
could I be a foster parent? Could I help someone find their way? Could I be an adoptive parent? What would you say to some of this listening that they're kind of on the verge and they just, to get them to jump in and make yeah. a difference? For sure. I mean, I strongly believe that everybody is called to care for the fatherless, to care for the widows and the orphans. Wow. It is clear okay. in the Bible that we are all clear called to do something, you know, and for those who are questioning, you know, could I be a foster parent? Could I be an adoptive parent? I definitely think that is possible. So my advice would be pray about mm. it. Educate yourself about it. Learn more and really, really, you just lean into what God is calling you to do. Because honestly, you know, again, this is what God has called us to do. And becoming a foster and adaptive parent is an extraordinary way to do that. And it's not going to be super easy. It is going to have its ups and downs. It's going to have its challenges. But if you can find those wraparound supports, if you can find those supports within your church, you know, you can be successful. And not only will the child you help, like the child's life that you bring into your home will change, but your life will also be changed. Yeah, well, that's great advice. And Lynn, if, if somebody is saying, I would like to learn more, I'd like to learn what I could do, where, what, what re, where can we point them to kind of take the journey that we've just been challenged by Trent to take? One of the things you can do is go to the CityServe website, All mm. In for Foster Adoption, and see what resources are out there. Con connect with us and we'll reach out to you. We will know what churches are able to help you. We will know what resources are there. Another resource that I love is a book called The Church and Foster Care by Dr. John DeGarmo. Look at Dr. John's book and see what can I do? And it will help you find what's in your neighborhood and what's out there. Trent has his own nonprofit, Watch Me Rise, mm -hmm. and go to his website. There are so many resources there. Everything is out there and we can help you find it through CityServe. And that's the most important piece is we know that it's a hard decision and we don't want you to make the wrong decision. We want you to be able to serve in the way God has a plan for you and is choosing you. So that would be the most important thing is go to our websites and start there. You know, uh, I love the discussion we've had today because we are all called to be serving and solving agents. Mm -hmm. And this is doable, isn't it, Len? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir, it this, is. This is doable. And I love what you said that, you know, you don't have to become a foster parent or adoptive parent at first. Start providing respite, you know, one weekend, even one day, uh, you know, respite for foster parents. Uh, enter the training. That's what uh, my wife and I did. Went through the training, which was outstanding. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it helped me as a dad, not only for Barr, but our other kids. And there's a lot of great training out there. So start somewhere. And, uh, and they eventually, uh, I guarantee you will be all in. Thank you, Dave. And it's so important to us to be all in, all in for foster care, all in for children. I would love for Trent to share why he thinks people should be all in. Everybody in America has to be all in. This isn't just for churches. This isn't just for pastors. This isn't just for 
um, social workers, football players, Hollywood, government officials, everyone needs to be all in because we need to change the culture in America. So all of our children are doing well. And if it's not doesn't start now, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? So be all in, help us move this forward. This is a doable problem, something we can have a solution to. Trent, why would you want to be all in? Yes, I would love to share that. So first, my greatest wish is for others to find healing. Mm. Whether that means connecting, waiting children with families, supporting young adults who have aged out, educating and training others on the impacts of trauma, or simply providing hope. So I'm all in because I don't want to see others crying themselves to sleep at night, longing for someone to love them. I'm all in because I know how it feels to worry about whether or not you'll have food to eat. Hmm. I'm all in because I don't want waiting children and young adults living in fear each and every day of their life like I once did. I'm all in because I want young adults who have aged out of the system to know that they're not alone. I'm all in because I want everyone who has experienced pain to know that God has a plan and a future for them. And lastly, I'm all in because God has called us to do so. There's so much scripture to back that. And there is like all throughout the gospel calling us to be all in, all in for God's children, all in for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I urge you and plead with you, be all in, answer the call God has put on our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.